February 9, 1886. Halley's Comet last appeared in the inner solar system. It's scheduled to return to Earth in 2061, presumably opening by saying, What happened, girl? You look like shit. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is wonderful, and I'm so glad to finally, after way too long, get her on the show. Uh, please welcome Gabby Gutierrez-Reed, everyone. Hi. Hey, thank you for being here. <laughs> um, listeners, uh, I just want to start out by saying I have had food poisoning for a week. So my brain is uh, kind of shot right now. Now, you might be saying usually food poisoning lasts like a day, maybe two. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brian I'm- opened up that case of old fish heads and he was like, I could have just one more. <laughs> the last one was bad, but surely this one. Well, hope springs eternal, Zach. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, I see that it's still, in fact, in your room. Mm-hmm. It's still, in fact, in my it's, mouth, actually. It it's smells emitting, really bad. Yeah, the odor is literally visible via webcam. <laughs> yeah, it's wavy lines yep. going up. There's, Green. Yeah, it's I a classic pin, pig pen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, Zach, uh, what do we do on this here program? Uh, this is a podcast if you're all about how history got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> So if you'd like to take a minute, just sit right there and I'll tell you all about how something, The Revisionists? Okay. <laughs> On this podcast, <laughs> we each week look at a person or event from history um, and uh, one person gives the true actual account of that person or event and then one person gives the fresh take on that person <laughs> or event. Fresh. And, uh, and at the end of the episode, we vote. On what becomes the true history of this brilliant, blue, spinning, azul marble that going just, forward. That literally was that, just, that means blue, right? Is that just for me? Because <laughs> I have to switch it up sometimes. I've been saying blue marble. Like, I have to add... I'm trying to add, uh, you know, adjectives or change what I say a little bit. Blue? Blue? <laughs> oh, um, Last time we talked about famous person who got lost, Amelia Earhart. We actually didn't. We talked about somebody else. But we're recording in advance. So we have the results for the Amelia Earhart episode and not the Corbett episode. Yes. And the results are that the alternate history won. Now, this was like three or four weeks ago, so I do not remember. And the... you wrote it also. <laughs> oh, I did. Right. It wasn't Wizard of Oz. It had a Brigadoon thing. Right. They went to Brigadoon and then they stole a boat <laughs> and then she became. Oh, it was Odysseus after that. Yeah, there was, there was some Odysseus in there, too. Yes. <laughs> and then she became the news person, the weather person on the Denver local news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you to uh, Lizzie Wolfson for for that. Uh, And stay tuned next episode for the results of Boston Corbett. This is like that. Do you remember the pre-taped call-in show bit from Mr. Show? (laughs) Yes. Increasingly, this is going to become like that. Listen, listeners, if you're voting on Amelia Earhart, you are a week too late. We are voting on Boston Corbett right now. And this week's episode is about Thomas Lay. So don't vote on Thomas Lay. It's too early. We're still voting on Boston Corbett. But by the time you're hearing this, it will be time to vote for Thomas Lay. Yeah, damn it, because this is not going out live. And I will probably be dead. Yeah, no, we'll we'll all we'll all be dead in different ways. (laughs) I assume you will either be a ghoul or a super mutant, but we accept (laughs) votes from both of those factions, so please feel free. Uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, mm. we accept votes from. Uh, the X-Men, of course, X-Factor, uh, we accept votes from. Uh, sure. The Mojoverse. Um, but not vampires. Uh, not vampires, no, um, unless they complete a re-entry program. And or if they were grandfathered in, there is a... Yeah. And, and vampires can serve as their own grandfather, of course. <laughs> <laughs> really, it doesn't have to be like a Herman Munster situation. Yeah, yeah. Or, Assuming they're old enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like the fucking old dude from Lost Boys. If you were turned in the 1800s, you can get out of here with that shit. But 1600s, maybe we could talk. 
Oh god, one of my classes this semester is just called Vampire Films, and um, I already looked right, at so... I think that's a marathon you skimmed across on TCM one day <laughs> while you were sick with food poisoning. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Oh my god, there's so many Vampire Films. I know. Um, I'm Like, week eight, I think, is when we're doing Lost Boys, which I'm very excited for. And then Near Dark is the week after that. So that, that two-week set is going to be real fun. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then is... the other 16 weeks are just the She Vampires of the SS series. Yeah. Back to back. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, surprisingly, surprisingly, no Vampiros Lesbos or any of the like weird erotic vampire movies from the 80s. Queen of the Damned? No, no Queen of the Damned. Uh, Aaliyah's amazing <laughs> breakout role. R.I.P. Aaliyah. Yep. Well, maybe you get some uh, interview with the vampire. That is oh, on the syllabus. Really? Um, That's great. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, get some Kirsten Dunst, like classic Kitty Kirsten Dunst being like, what did you do to me? (laughs) My favorite Um, part about vampire movies in the 90s is the music. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Uh, (laughs) But this this isn't a vampire podcast. Uh, (laughs) Listeners, this is... I mean, but I do. I I do now want to make like an era-specific vampire like one vampire film from each decade so it's mm-hmm. like the lost boys and then interview with the vampire and then it have to be twilight and then like oh. let the right one in <laughs> what wait did twilight come out of the 2000s or did it come out of the 2010s oh the first one definitely came out before 2010 2000s okay, okay cool. i read a lot of those books mm-hmm. i didn't i'm not proud of it i mean it's fine. It's I'm, fine. I'm past the point of like shaming people for like yeah. reading that. I think I was those, like 13 or 14. Yeah, that's yeah. the perfect age 12? to read that. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Those books were very popular while we were in high school. And we're like that that old where we say we're old, but we're still not actually old yet. That mm. oh, era yeah. of old. Oh, yeah. Like, that 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 age where it's not at all irritating to right. people to be like, mm, I'm old. And I was like too young because like, mm. I was like, oh, I'm too young for these vampires. Oh, yeah. They're <laughs> all their, uh, all their canoodling. Yeah. And they're, uh, well, I don't want to get into explaining yeah. what's what. Nope. It's, um, yeah. Like it's. The era where, like, now, how long is it going to be before, like, people on the internet are like, I'm old. I remember 9-11. <laughs> and then the cool kids are like, never forget. We never knew in the first place, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like, yeah, they pop over their fucking smeared offs and skateboard away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know what cool children do. Uh, if you're a cool <laughs> child and you're listening to this... Why? Uh, you are not why? a cool child. You're not cool anymore. Yeah, tell your friends about us. You've uh, lost. Give us some of your cultural cachet. You are like all of us as children where you believe you're cool, but will eventually look back and be like, oh, wait. Are you smoking cloves? Yes, you are. Uh, are you waiting for play rehearsal to start? Mm. <laughs> Very close to home. Anyways, this episode, which of course we're recording live at uh, Paris on the Platte while smoking clothes. <laughs> Deep cut. Oh, is about... I miss that place. Oh, I do not miss that place at all. You don't? What did you do there? Smoked cloves, mostly. Yeah, smoked cloves. Uh, it's about Thomas Lay, and I believe that uh, Gabby's going to give us the real history, correct? Yeah. And then Brian will give us, as we say, the fresh version. Mm, so fresh. Hey there, this is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Uh, so I think without further ado, if we're all ready, should we jump to the history of what Thomas Lay? Yeah, let's do it. All, all right. right. We're jumping in. Let's get cold and then warm okay <laughs> so uh thomas lay he's a, r- a real guy you know just <laughs> one of those guys 
Uh, I'm glad Brian picked a real person this time. Yeah. yeah. I did too- see, I saw his picture and I thought his like face looked like Val Kilmer or like it was really squashed, you know? Yeah, he looks like, no, he is a, definitely like the Stretch Armstrong version of Val Kilmer. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times Brian has picked a topic for us. Like out of every episode that gets released, there's 10 where it's like, the topic this week is Kirby. And it's like, Brian, no. <laughs> Kirby right, uh, This week we're going to be talking about the noise. Um, <laughs> to be fair, we did talk about the Noid a lot recently. Did we? Oh, we have in the fucking fuck shit. That was Shackled in one. Oh, yeah. the fuck shit. <laughs> Although I think that was mostly Pepsi Man, R.I.P. Anyways. Uh, uh, yeah. Rest in Pepsi. <laughs> All right. This guy, uh, he was born in England in Balve on October 29th, 1880. Um, I'm ashamed. I'm a Libra. This guy is a Libra. Fuck that. <laughs> He's ruining us. Not all Libras. Hashtag. He could have had the decency to wait a few days and become a Scorpio at the very least. Exactly. <laughs> this is just messed up. And let me tell you, classic Scorpio. <laughs> His dad was a successful butler. Um, but he- <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? In context. <laughs> He was, you know, doing good. He worked. He was in racking the, up Winston's every he, year at he the international in all the fancy houses. He probably snuck a little, a few scones here or there. He won. The, he won like ten years straight uh, the title of Mister Belvedere. I think. Yeah, he just it was on, on point. Butler Monthly. He was on there every week. <laughs> he was always and of the but yeah. fancy. Uh, but fancy. Butler's anonymous. Uh, <laughs> But then he died uh, when Thomas was two, no longer leaving him with a father as a successful butler. Uh, and he left behind four children. I didn't read anything else about his siblings. I don't know why I didn't look that up. But uh, apparently he had them and they probably all hid because they were ashamed of him. His mother's name was Elizabeth. Uh, and after his father died, they just they weren't really doing well. So they ended up moving to Australia because of its booming economy in the 70s and 80s, 1870s and 80s. <laughs> it's booming economy in, I assume, what, spider leather or something? <laughs> yeah, there was less cocaine. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and uh, he went to school for a while, but uh, at 10, he had to leave his Crown Street public school so he could help his mom at the grocery store, at her grocery store. She might have owned a grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) At a grocery store of unknown providence. Yes. Uh, And after that, he kind of like kept working. Um, He like went to work on a dairy farm in Windsor, uh, which is a small town. And later he would run newspapers and messages to people. And the thing about that is like he... He kind of got into reading the political articles in the newspapers that he was delivering. So he'd, uh, you know, he just got fancy with his ideas. He wanted bigger <laughs> things in life. He wasn't okay with, with where he was. So uh, he'd like sit in the gallery at the parliament to hear political debates. And he got really interested in politics because of the powerful, influential people that were uh, in politics. So... He kind of like had his eyes set on that and made that a goal. Um, so he thought that like successful politicians would be really good at talking. So in 1896, he not joined- necessarily, as we have learned. <laughs> no, no, that's what he thought. Not true. That was 19th century politics. This is the 21st century. Yeah, they had to be good at talking sometimes. But he joined the Sydney Mechanic School of Arts to develop his debating skills. I don't know if it's a good school or not, but he did it. (laughs) Total safety school. Yeah, total safety school. He got denied from all the others. Uh, Then he became a a junior clerk in a local solicitor's office in Sydney. So that was like the start of his... uh, partial solicitor career <laughs> and then he was going to night school to study law so here's the thing he got lonely so in 1898 he married emily lewis stone and she was the daughter of a wealthy somerset doctor mm. and he just wanted which to... is a rank below butler I believe. exactly yeah nobody reads doctor's magazine 
<laughs> Nobody does that. And yeah, I think she had a good life, but uh, I think marrying him was a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's actually sad. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of the delivery than anything else. <laughs> uh, but she she ended up in Australia because her father died too, which isn't funny either. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how she ended up there, but... Uh, I mean, they... <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like, well, parents are dead. Yeah. Might well, as well go to Australia. Might as well. Uh, somehow they lived with her mother. I don't know if she was already there. Like, mm-hmm. they all migrated there together. But uh, in 1901, Lay took a job at a law firm in the center of Sydney. So that's he's, like, kind of getting into what he wanted to do. And then in 1906, his wife gave birth to three sons, and I didn't read about them either, but they were either little shits or they were amazing and they didn't care about their father. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They were either the kind of kids who uh, get turned into giant blueberries or the kind of kids who inherit a chocolate factory. Exactly. (laughs) And never the twain shall meet. That's from your that's from your parenting book, The Two Kinds of Kids. Yep. And the chocolate factory. Uh, he, uh, which, by the way, the fact that that got put out of print for plagiarism is bullshit. I just have to say. <laughs> Listen, buddy, we're on your side. Mm-hmm. We're we're there for you. If you need me at the the court date, I'm I'm there. And uh, I'll more than happy to take on the estate of Roald Dahl at any time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, noted anti Semite Roald Dahl coming. Get <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, Let's see. Lay, you know what? He, again, wasn't getting what he wanted. It wasn't good enough. So he moved uh, to a developing southern Sydney suburb. Say it three times. Southern Sydney suburb. (laughs) Hertzville. And I guess that was like kind of a hub for politicians. And so in order to become a politician there, uh, you had to be like three things. You had to be a churchgoer, a family man. And a vampire? A vampire who... I will stop myself from. <laughs> uh, and you would like had to be a part of the temperance movement, which is super um, lame. So that's like the opposite of a vampire. That's like, uh, I guess not because vampires don't drink wine. <laughs> so vampire. Yeah. A vampire still. Yeah, exactly. For those of you who don't know what the temperance movement is, they don't like it when you drink alcohol. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he he actually got elected within five months that he was there. So, you know, do what you got to do and you can be a politician. <laughs> Yet yeah, do the do instead of uh, drinking a little uh, hooch. I couldn't think of a good, uh, <laughs> good alcohol. Yeah. That was, that was his, water. Uh, his campaign slogan, of course. Do the do instead of uh, drinking uh, a little... Hooch. Yep, do do the do. You don't put that hooch in your mouth. (laughs) Hooch, of course, being Australian for a terrifying snake. Yep, get that snake out of here. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, the hooch comes in the night and takes your children. (laughs) Oh, God. No hooch for him. Uh, He ended up serving on council committees dealing with parks and gardens, rates and levies. And bylaws and street maintenance. So, you know, he was he was doing some pretty important things. Whether it was good, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. In 1914, Lee, uh, he became a solicitor himself. So, for those of you who don't know what a solicitor is, <laughs> I'm just listing all the things I had to look up. That's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> it's a lawyer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so he got he like gained more credibility within the politicians community, and it was kind of like getting hard to gain traction. Still, like I don't know if he wanted to face it or not, but people didn't really like him. So um, that's just my opinion. That is not true. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Um, so he lost an election to be mayor in Hertzville. So instead, he decided to focus on state politics. So when you fail, just do something else (laughs) until somebody says okay. (laughs) I mean, that is like (laughs) kind of good advice, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I like these weird sort of 
<laughs> strange posters you see in like a children's library that you're coming up with. <laughs> when you fail, don't give up. Just try something else. And if you're mediocre at it, someone will be okay with you being in the room. I just think it, it has to end with... <laughs> The, 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 I think it has to end with until somebody says okay. Yeah. <laughs> until, until somebody says okay. Even if it's your therapist. Okay. In 1917, uh, he was elected to state parliament as a national party member for Hertzville. And um, he was uh, like still going with the uh, prohibition thing. Uh, member of the Temperance Party, another term, a tea toddler. That's a fun one. Um, so he, one article said that he uh, was called Lemonade Lay, but I'm pretty sure he gave himself that own nickname. Mm-hmm. So he called himself Lemonade Lay. Uh, I don't know mm. why. Just sometimes he's a little sweet. Sometimes no. he'll squeeze lemon in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> It could be like a discontinued soft drink, but it also could be like an urban dictionary thing that you don't want to look up. <laughs> oh, God. Don't get on that lemonade light train. You're going to be late. Okay. <laughs> you're going to be lemonade late. Sorry. You're okay. going to be lemonade late. If you stick with lemonade lie. The main okay. concern for most weird sex acts is becoming late. <laughs> and not in the pregnant sense, just like missing your train. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to miss the train. And you won't have an alliteration if you call it something else. Mm-hmm. You just really liked the color yellow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, his his real nickname was actually, like the one people gave him, was the Hanging Minister. Because he was super enthusiastic about the death penalty. So that's what people really thought about him. Mm. He uh, he actually didn't have, like, when he was in Parliament, he didn't have any intention of passing laws to ban alcohol. Um, and he was actually taking bribes from lobbyists on behalf of brewing companies. So he was just a straight-up liar. <laughs> you know, real shady guy. Mm-hmm. And it gets shadier also, so... Yeah, we're not even... It'd be terrible if this very pro-death penalty person committed a crime that might warrant the death penalty. <laughs> Damn it! I couldn't handle the irony of that happening. Yeah, no way. Who likes to talk about foreshadowing? Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a, a quote from a parliament member a New South Wales Parliament member called Jack Lang. I just thought it was kind of a fun one. Um, He said, we believed he was not only mad, but bad. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you just had to be bad at your job to go away. (laughs) He was mad as well. Uh, He... I ended up joining the Progressive Party in 1919 when it split up uh, from the Nationals. So, you know, getting into that liberal bullshit. And uh, 1920, he was elected as a Progressive member for St. George. And uh, when the parties rejoined again, he became Minister of Justice. So he had some type of power, which was kind of lame. A really sad story. Like, he... He rejected the appeal of someone who was facing the death penalty. His name was Edward Williams, um, and he, he was a poor music teacher, but he was sentenced to death for, like, murdering his three daughters. So <laughs> <laughs> the community was like, he's crazy. And there was evidence that he was actually crazy, but Lay was like, no, ah, he's going to die. But... I don't know how I feel about that one because he killed his three daughters. So. <laughs> yeah, kind of buried the lead a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The sentence starts with he didn't accept an appeal and then it ends with killed his three daughters. Although, so. of course, if he was unfit to stand trial, that's a different thing. But also- right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Lay uh, wanted even more power. He wanted uh, to become the prime minister. So he ended up resigning from his state seat to stand for the federal 
government of Barton in 1925. And he was running against this guy, Fred McDonald's, the old Fred McDonald's. And uh, he tried to bribe him to throw the race, so to <laughs> run, but just not win. Yeah. And he was like, that's ridiculous and illegal. And he ended up beating him anyways. So Fr Fred was pretty bitter about that. And he was like, I'm going to tell everyone that you offered me bribes. And then Lay was like, no, you're not. And then he mysteriously disappeared on April 15th, 1926. And nobody well was found. And the police found a suicide note that they thought was forged, and it read, I'm going to kill myself, I have a small penis, and I suck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is weird. I don't think he wrote this. <laughs> Granted, we all know he had a very small penis. <laughs> exactly. That's why his... Wife wasn't happy. It was redundant to say it again. <laughs> God yeah, damn it. Campaigned on it. I've been drafting my note for years, and now I'm going to have to start from scratch. <laughs> Great. Awesome. What a shame. <laughs> oh, God. So that was, like, the first of, uh, like, suspicion around him involving possible murders um but apparently he did a really great job hiding the body that time and uh allegedly Lee, allegedly and writing an alleged suicide note uh so lay's lay had a company um called save our soil which sos prickly pear poisons limited <laughs> um i didn't look too much into this but um, Australia had a prickly pear crisis back then. I guess I'm guessing it has to do with the soil. That sounds okay. very Australian <laughs> to me. Yeah. These prickly pears, they're ruining oh, everything. The prickly prickly pear crisis. <laughs> they're ruining everything. Prickly pears everywhere you look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so his, his business ended up failing, surprise, um, pretty much resulting in all of his investors losing their money. And Keith Greeter, um, he was an investor and he was leading a group of a pocket of hair, share, hair shoulders, <laughs> shareholders. Who all hair shoulder shareholders. Hair <laughs> shoulder shareholders. Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry. It's all. <laughs> Uh, so he, he wanted them to get compensated for him being an idiot. Uh, and then. <laughs> Guess what? Keith Greeter suddenly fell off a ship and drowned. <laughs> what? That's, that's not funny either. He uh, was like, hey, what's that? And then he was like, ah. <laughs> that's then, the, uh, of course, the transcript of the incident was found. <laughs> what is that in the sky? Which should die? Okay. The transcriber also fell into the ocean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then his problems went away until he created more for himself. And so uh, the next year, a legal firm that Lay had established had a bunch of allegations of irregular dealings. So um, a legal partner of his, Hyman Goldstein, it's my problem, not yours. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just, I mean, I'm going to leave that one. I'm going to leave that one on the field, unbroken, unbreached. <laughs> it's my problem. Okay. Um, he accused him of this. He accused him of uh, some irregular dealings. I don't know what those are in detail, but. Uh, I think I, I read in another article that he, he stole the funds and spent the shareholders' money on a vacation with his mistress, mm. um, which she hasn't been introduced yet, but her, her name is Maggie, and he is just sleeping with her the whole time he's with his wife, pretty much, it seems. So that's what happened to the money. And in September 1928, Hyman mysteriously disappears on a twilight stroll. <laughs> 
Unfortunately. So often happens. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what twilight is, <laughs> it's either the time of day where it's like right in the morning when the sun's rising or kind of near sunset. So, Or the aforementioned uh, vampire series that we discussed in the beginning. <laughs> Possibly exactly. he was reading one of Breaking Dawn as he decided to stroll around the grounds. Yep. Those yeah. The original Breaking Dawn. Uh his body was found at the bottom of the Coogee Cliffs. So they found the, him. The Coogee Cliffs. Yeah. yeah. The Coogee yeah, that's the name of it was a Looney Tunes episode, I the think. The Coogee Cliffs. <laughs> yeah. The Coo yeah. Coo yep. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Lay uh, lost his seat because of suspicions around him in 1928. So I guess everybody was like, he's a murderer, probably. <laughs> Most likely. But we can't say yet. And so um, his pol career in politics was kind of ripped out from under him, and he didn't really want to keep pursuing it. So... Uh, at 48, he decides to take a new role in life. Uh, it's a brave, brave move at 48. He decided to move back to England with his mistress, Maggie Brooke. And her husband was a magistrate, and he also died in mysterious circumstances <laughs> that have nothing to do with Thomas Lay. <laughs> and so he goes to England, uh, and... It's kind of like the late 1920s um, after World War ends, like 10 years later, and just painting the scene here. <laughs> women women could vote at that time. And um, so he got there with enough money to buy a property and take advantage of like the business opportunities that were going on. Um, but that wasn't really enough for him, of course, because he really kind of enjoyed making illegal money if he could mm -hmm. so he did a few illegal things he engaged in some weird real estate dealings and during world war ii he ran a black market operation and he got arrested for that and convicted and after the war he um kind of decided to turn his house into flats so this is kind of diving into his serious crime. Uh, Being a landlord. Uh, right. <laughs> As opposed to his previous murders, which were, you know, slap on the wrist affairs. Exactly. But being a landlord, those people are terrible. Terrible. So when he uh, had construction going on, his mistress Maggie lived in a boarding house in Wibbledon, which was about seven miles away. So one of the other uh, boarders there, he was a 35-year-old man named John Muddy, and he was a bartender at the Rygate Hill Hotel. And uh, he was actually like half Maggie's age, but his, uh, Lay thought that Maggie was having an affair with him anyways but they really only had like conversations in passing mm -hmm. so he was just kind of crazy and he got this fixated in his mind so he felt that he needed to murder him because that's what you do when you're jealous is you get rid of the problem <laughs> so yeah that was also in the children's library <laughs> listen listen kids i'm just saying if you don't like someone they don't have to exist anymore. <laughs> Just make him go away. Yeah. <laughs> also, that was one of my in my in my uh, in my book about the Willy Wonka kids. That's also one of the lessons because <laughs> Willy Wonka knows it well. <laughs> exactly. If you don't want to, just chuck throw him in the chocolate fountain. <laughs> I really don't know how. What is his name? The boy that fell in? Oh, I Augustus know. Gloop, I think? Augustus Gloop? How did he not drown? That's just... Oh, that's a deleted scene. A what? 
The, the scene where they're netting his bloated corpse out of the chocolate <laughs> river. Yeah, that was cut. Oh, really? <laughs> I I've never actually seen Willy Wonka. That would be great. You've never... Oh, my God. Yeah. There's so many references I've going on. With it. Maybe in your vampire class. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we do have to watch, like, the first ten minutes of Hunt for Red October before the first assignment. <laughs> um, so there might be other things going on. Willy Wonka could be a vampire. I could buy it. Yeah. Yeah, he sort of has a sort of Dracula's castle in the chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. He's got minions, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a recluse. He dresses yeah. oddly. He's got a very specific diet. Yeah. He's ahead of his time technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe he's a vampire. That is a spin-off podcast. <laughs> Theories on how Willy Wonka's a vampire. <laughs> now available on iTunes, theories on how Willy Wonka's a vampire. Yay! It's not the catchiest title, but uh, really, it, it speaks to our audience, I think. And yes, and Meryl Streep narrates it, so oh. got a big one for that. She, oh, she's finally she's finally going after the the real. The real fame, uh, podcasting. Exactly. Uh, not even podcasting, narrating existing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> she just does that. That's actually, other countries will do that. They just translate podcasts for oh, yeah. their country. Yeah. Just, it's pretty amazing. Oh, these times, back to the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lay hired John William Buckingham, what a name, and Lawrence John Smith to help with his plan of kidnapping, killing, and getting rid of Muddy. <laughs> they, uh, so those two men, they were contractors working on his house, uh, mm. making them into flats, and he convinced them that John Muddy was an evil man. And then he seduced his girlfriend, who's really his mistress, but he was trying to blackmail her. And so those two men thought that that was the case. And in late November 1946, Lay decided to hire Muddy to basically bartend a party to lure him into his grabby hands and when he got there the men threw a rug over his head sat him in a chair and tied clotheslines around his arms legs and body and the way that he ended up dying was that he was strangled and on november 30th 1946 a local dog walker found muddy's body in a chalk pit making these murder this murder famously known as the chalk pit murder. And he was found 30 miles away from his home. And when investigators got to the scene, there was no mud on Muddy's shoes. <laughs> they had a little trouble with <laughs> There's no mud on Muddy's shoes. Okay. So the... Uh, investigators as they do figured out that he was murdered in a separate location and that his body was dropped there so the detective superintendent fred shrewbridge Mm -hmm. got a team together and they went to the boarding house that he was staying at in wimbledon and talked to the landlady miss evans and confirmed that him and maggie were connected So that's how they started putting the pieces together. And after this, there were a bunch of articles on the murder. And John Buckingham uh, started to feel really guilty. And he cracked. uh, He couldn't take it. So he called the Scotland Yard. I don't know if he called them. Maybe he popped in. Um, (laughs) But he uh, called them and confessed to what happened, that he got 200 pounds for kidnapping John Muddy, um, but he didn't confess to the murder. So he was not a part of that. And Lay uh, initially denied everything. uh, And a witness put Lawrence Smith at the chalk pit because they saw him there uh, and they didn't see John Buckingham. So he was 
I don't know if he was let go or if he served time. They didn't really talk about that. But uh, Lauren Smith and Thomas Slay were charged with murder. And on March 19th, 1947, the trial started uh, at the Old Bailey, which is a central <laughs> criminal court in London. Um, the trial was actually one of the earliest to involve a hitman. That's what they considered it. So everyone was in a ruckus. They were <laughs> freaking out. It was a pretty big deal. So uh, the defense tried to say that it could have been suicide, you know. <laughs> and then they found a letter that said, I hate myself now. <laughs> Just had small dick with shrubs. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that was definitely bullshit, and everybody saw through that. So um, they were prosecuted and sentenced to death. Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> ha! Take that, lay. And a young O. Henry was sitting in the... I guess he was older dead by then, actually. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. God, I was thinking about, like, when I first saw his name, I was like, Thomas Lay, more like Thomas never gets laid. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was his first campaign. Not work well. Sick burn on Thomas Lay. <laughs> Screw you, Thomas Lay. Uh, the Lord Chief Justice, Lord Goddard. Described Lay as a very wicked man. <laughs> Indeed he was. But three days before his hanging, where he was supposed to die, ironically, from the death penalty, he was reassigned to Broadmoor's criminal lunatic asylum. And Lawrence just had to serve a life in prison. So he didn't die either. A little anticlimactic. Uh, and on July 24th, 1947, Lay died of a brain hemorrhage at Broadmoor. Yay! We did it! Gabby, thank you. <clears throat> You're welcome. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Uh, well, here I am with the, the funky fresh, um, uh, the freshest... <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep this going. Uh, Sax solo. <laughs> so the rest of this podcast is just going to be a jazz, some jazz selections. Um, it's just people whispering at a table like, can we go? Is this? Um, that's every jazz club. Um, it so, is truly about the history that Gabby didn't tell. So, <laughs> In a way, it is because uh, the broad strokes of Thomas Lay's life are, uh, much as you said, um, really, um, I want to talk about sort of his experience uh, and a little bit of his uh, campaigning. Um so Thomas, uh, Thomas Lay was born, as you said, to a, a successful butler father. Uh, his father really had a butlering empire uh, <laughs> built up. Uh, really just the most powerful butler you could imagine. And Thomas was born into that. So he, whatever wealth he had, he inherited uh, at birth um, from his butler father. Uh, and Thomas Lay... He always wanted, but he never thought he could have a career in politics. And it wasn't because he didn't have ideas. He had ideas. Uh, prohibition, uh, non-prohibition, uh, nationalism was a thumbs up for him. Um, so he had ideas. He had the charm. Uh, you know, he could, he could, he could talk a cat off a fish cart. 
uh, and often did. Uh, you know, he would talk the cat off the fish cart, charge the cart owner twenty dollars, <laughs> give the cat five, and that's on to the next fish cart, baby. Um, well, I'm glad I, you stopped to make an extended joke about that super old timey <laughs> turn of phrase again. Food poisoning. Um, so, yeah, you're obsessed, of course, with the fish. Yeah, that poison the <laughs> instrument yeah. of your poisoning. The fish draws me in. I uh, I become the fish in a way. Um, so, but what was holding him back from his dipping his toe into the old political river? Um, well, it was he thought that his love of murdering people mm-hmm. would kind of be a turnoff at the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it'd be a great tool for his opponents. Uh, but then one day he meets a uh, let's call him a fresh-faced political operative named uh, we'll call him Beeb Stannon, oh. um, who uh, who thinks I I can find a way to turn murder into a political positive. Now I uh, do have to admit that I am thinking of him looking like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Beeb Stannon. Yeah. Uh, however you want to picture him. Uh, I mean, I understand the reference, but uh, no. it's impossible for me not to. <laughs> I'm glad, I, oh, I'm glad you picked up on that incredibly, <laughs> incredibly arcane reference I made. Um, so his first campaign, uh, he was running for the uh, chair of alderman of Boomerang Flats. Mm. Um, and, you know, his opponent attacked him fiercely in the debates by saying, uh, this man is obviously a, a serial murderer. Um, and Thomas Lay, you know, after getting coaching from Beeve, uh, responded, you know, the real murderer is the media for murdering my reputation. Uh, and so he won, becomes alderman of Boomerang Flats, uh, very corrupt, uh, really sells Boomerang Flats down the river. Um, but then uh, he runs his second campaign, which is, you know, a little bit higher office, he's sort of expanding his sights, uh, and he's running for Spider Wrangler of New South Wales District 6. Mm. Um, and again, his opponent was running under the slogan, it's like, this man literally has murdered five people. Um, and he's like, look, murder is a part of real Australia. Uh, the, uh, the sort of silent murdering majority. Uh, and sure. of course, he wins. Doesn't wrangle a single spider. Ugh. Um, of course, fake. Um, so spiders are sort of running District Six for a time. Uh, <laughs> and his his uh, his sort of ultimate campaign is running for Parliament, uh, where the opponent's slogan was "This man is murdering me right now as we speak." Um, and his you know Lay's response was, "Sure, I'm a murderer, but hey, what about?" all the other murders that happen. Um, so, you know, people were like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and he, uh, he won. Uh, and then, uh, on, on an up note, he's arrested and dies in jail. So, uh, that's the illness induced alternate history of Thomas. Sure. <laughs> um, listen, before we move on to judgment, um, I just want to say you can always reach out to us, uh, write us a letter, leave us a comment, ask us a question at revisionistpodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Check those out. Um, just search for Revisionist Podcast. And we are a, a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network, along with such shows as Denver Orbit, uh, the 2018 winner of Jim uh, Dow. Uh, best podcast from Westworld. <laughs> uh, it's a really good show. Uh, it features a lot of different work from a lot of different creative people around Denver. Uh, very, very highly suggest checking that out. So Denver Orbit. Um, Gabby, you are also a musician too, and you have a yeah. this is coming out on the ninth, and you'll you have a show coming up on the twenty second. I do. It's at your mom's house, not your real mom's house. Stop oh, being house. silly. Oh. Not your stepmom's house and not even. Anyways, it's at your mom's <laughs> house in Denver. And My uh, mom's house isn't so far. This checks out. That's where my yeah, mom's house is. She lives in Denver. And, uh, you know, I think we play around eight. My band's name is TikTok, spelled T-I-Q-T-O-K. We did one of those. All right. <laughs> uh, 
You know, it, it should be really fun. The lineup is um, full of like really talented bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your mom's house is like at Thirteenth and Pearl, like between Pearl and Washington. Yes. Um, next to a pizza place. Next to Benny Blanco's. The pizza I love <laughs> but can't think about right now because it hurts my stomach. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry I did that to you. No, that's okay. I I looked at a banana this morning and I had to run to the bathroom, um, <laughs> which I might edit that out. I might not. <laughs> that's okay. It's a real thing. Okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I've been sick before. <laughs> As you cough into a, into a handkerchief and <laughs> tuberculosis happens. Um, listeners, as for me, uh, the next sure thing for me is Queen City Companion on March 7th, the All False Storytelling Show. I co host uh, with. I wouldn't be so sure. I mean, you <laughs> say sure thing, but you still got half a bucket of fish heads back there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to commit seppuku uh, in the fishiest way ever. <laughs> um, that'll be March 7th at Mutiny. Uh, co-host that with friend of the show, Jen Colick. Uh, and check that out. It's also a podcast. If you look up Mutiny Transmissions, uh, you can find that along with a bunch of other live shows recorded there. Uh, so check that out. And, uh, you know, I'll throw in, I'll throw in my Twitter. Uh, at apparently Brian. Uh, I do good work there. Um, no one does good work on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. No. Um, I retweet some great cats, uh, so check that out. Yeah, um, Top Cat, uh, that cat from uh, that cat that has the snark from the Thundercats. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yep, and of course uh, the little bug. Uh, uh-huh. The cat from uh, Homeward Bound that Sally Field voices. That cat is <laughs> surely dead by now. Um, but is Sally Field? No, Sally Field. Sally Field is still alive. <laughs> Sally Field. Big ups. Yeah, no, Unless no. she died extremely recently. And I, by like that in I between mean. recording and release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In which or case. <laughs> within the hour or two before we started recording. <laughs> Do we uh, have? That's true. I don't have a news alert set up for Sally Field. Um, <laughs> but uh, I believe that brings us to judgment uh, for this episode. Uh, you know what? I think that um, living in 2019, it's obviously very timely to have a story of a corrupt politician uh, on this podcast. But I also don't want to mythologize any corrupt politicians in 2019 because they're mostly dumb assholes. Who <laughs> fuck up. Yeah. So for that reason, I think I'm going to go with the real history this time yeah. and let it be that the real story of this dumb, stupid asshole who went to prison God. <laughs> is the re- is what we should focus on and remember and what mm. we should take for history. And this the year of our not Lord, our abandoning Lord 2019. <laughs> uh, Hashtag not our Lord. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gabby, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, uh, listeners, voting is now open uh, if you bought your right to vote, which is quite a Thomas Lay move. Um, <laughs> but uh, for everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs>